Amen. Glory to God. It's good to look around and see the family of faith. What a beautiful day it is. Amen. It's so good to be in a place, catch this, to hear from God. I know you've had a lot of conversations this week, but there's no better conversation than to have with God and let the Spirit of God pour into you a new revelation, a fresh revelation of God that we might walk out of here with eternal life. Amen. What a beautiful day it is. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to get involved uh, back into our series, It's Like That. Oh, y'all don't remember that? Okay. And that's the way it is. Amen. So we are in this series, It's Like That. Some of y'all know this series is exploring the kingdom of heaven. We're going through many of the parables that Jesus taught as he was trying to give some level of simulation to the kingdom of heaven. And so I pray that you came here today ready to hear what the kingdom of heaven is like. I pray that's in your heart and mind today as we get into the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, let's go to St. Luke chapter 13. I want to read a passage of scripture here with you. I'll be alluding to this passage as we move uh, through this message. But this is a beautiful expression of the Lord as he is uh, speaking about the kingdom of heaven. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, I want to read a portion here about the kingdom of heaven. And so beginning here, beginning it here at verse 17, I'm going to start at verse 17 because I'm going to come back to the story and give you a revelation about what is happening to a woman who had an infirmity for 18 years. And we're going to look at her in just a moment. But if you have your Bible, this is St. Luke chapter 13. Slide your finger down to verse 17, and I'm going to read it through verse 19. And Jesus is going to give some level of similarity to the kingdom of heaven. He's going to give you a comparison. And I pray that as we get into this, you'll hear this, and that it'll be fresh revelation, eternal life unto your soul. Look what it says, St. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 17. It reads like this. And when he had said these things... All his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Then said he, catch this, unto what is the kingdom of God like? Unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it how can I give you a similarity of the kingdom of heaven and listen to this verse 19 I'm gonna blow up your world this morning look what it says the kingdom of heaven catch it now watch it's like a grain of mustard seed did y'all see that that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden and it grew and it waxed a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man sown in his garden and that tree grew into a tree and the birds of the air came and lodged in it that marvelous anybody want to get a little bit of the kingdom of heaven I'm gonna show you that you already possess the kingdom we just might have to do a, a little tending to our garden amen I think there is what I call a mountain of unbelief 
a mountain of unbelief. Are y'all ready to pray with me this morning? Let's get ready. Let's get our minds off of all the things that are moving on around us. Let's devote the next 30 minutes to the Lord. Can we pray together? Let's pray, brothers and sisters. Let's pray this common prayer. Pray with me. Father, we pray today that your word <laughs> be so richly deposited in us that that this word will grow in us today, that, that Father, what you're going to say to us is going to be a fresh revelation for the situation, for the thing, for the problem, for the adversity, for the trial, for the struggle. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Let this word fall on pliable hearts, useful hearts, people that are ready to do the business of the kingdom of God. And I pray today that we'll understand just exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like in them too because we know it's like this. Jesus taught it. It's like a grain of mustard seed. And if we'll sow it, it'll grow up. So Father, I pray that today your word just be so, such revelation. Holy Spirit, I pray that you move it into those pliable places of our heart. Jesus, I pray above all you be the cornerstone today that all that we're going to say today will be revolving around you. And so I pray your help and strength. I pray blessing upon the family faith. And I pray it now. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen and amen. Listen, before you see it, go find five people. Find somebody who doesn't look like they're smiling. They look like they're upset about something. And I want you to tell them, it's like that. Go get somebody and tell them. Say, baby, it's like that. Go find somebody. Say, it's like that. It's like that. It's like that. And that's the way it is. If you went to high school in the 80s, tell somebody it's like that. And that's the way it is. It's like that. 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 It's good to see so many wonderful places. Lewis, it's good to have you today, my man. Uh, brother Eloy, it's good to have you, my man. My brother, it's good to have you. We, we, we met yesterday, right? No, no, no. Oh, it's nice to have you. Blessings, blessings, blessings to you. So good to see all the extended families of faith and friends and vis visitors and guests and everybody in between. Welcome to Harvest Point Church. Amen. Blessings to you in Jesus' name. Blessings to you. Ah, it's like that. That's the way it is. It's like that. And that's the way it is. How awesome, how awesome, how awesome. It's like that. That's the way it is. A few years ago, while traveling, doing some missionary work uh, for the nation of Ethiopia, I remember being on a plane, flying to Atlanta, Georgia, about to preach at a church, and I sat down next to an individual, and I wanted to strike up a conversation because I want to talk about Jesus. Somebody say amen. I want to talk about Jesus. And I remember I looked over at this gentleman, and, and, and we struck up a conversation, and I like to ask people what they do for a living because they, in turn, out of courtesy, are going to ask me what I do for a living. <laughs> so we got into some conversation. You know, he told me what he did. He said, well, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a preacher. I'm a messenger of the Lord. 
I'm, I'm full of the message of God. So I asked him, sir, do you go to church? He says, I, I used to go to church. And in fact, he says, you know, uh, I, I've, I've, as I've got older, I've become an atheist. He said, but don't worry, I've read my Bible through. I've read my Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've read my Bible through at least five times. And I said, well, did you read the New Testament? What do you think about the teachings of Jesus? Well, that's the reason why I became an atheist, because I read the teachings of Jesus. He says, I realized what I was reading, I couldn't do. I said, you read your Bible. Anybody ever read their Bible and read the teachings of Jesus? You know right away you cannot do what he's asking you to do. Anybody ever read the Bible and you read about turning the other cheek? Oh, I'm talking to somebody. Anybody hear about repaying good for the evil you receive? Anybody hear about Jesus saying if anybody asks for something, just give it away. Don't expect it back again. Ah, it's hard to follow the teachings. Amazing that this guy read his Bible and he says, I can't do what it's asking me to do. I gave him the good news. The good news of salvation is that when you get saved, God gives to you a promise the promise of the Holy Spirit who's going to give you the power to do the very things that Jesus is asking you to do. Touch your neighbor and say, You got power. Touch him back and say, Quit acting like a weakling. No sissies allowed in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> no sissies allowed. Do, do, do you know that Jesus, when teaching the disciples about the issue of forgiveness, this is, this is found in St. Luke 17. Jesus teaching the disciples about the issue of forgiveness. Jesus said, if your brother trespass against you seven times in a day, if he comes and asks you to forgive him, forgive him. You know what the disciples said? You know what they said? They said the worst thing any Christian, any believer could say. This is what they told the Lord. Jesus, increase our faith. It sounds religious, but you've got a problem. Anybody in here thinking that they're going to ask God, God, increase my faith, what God hears is, oh, you want trouble. Yeah. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be no dummy with Jesus. If, if you tell Jesus, increase my faith, what he hears is, oh, you want your faith tested. You, you have to be careful with the mind of God. God said, I'll, I'll increase your faith by testing the faith that I already put inside of you. There is no such thing as an increase of faith. There is something as purify my faith. That's what Peter taught. That the testing of your faith is a purifying such as you would purify gold. This is a glorious thing. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you. That what you have on the inside of you is called a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven, my friend, God has put in you a mustard seed of faith. That's all you need. You don't need nothing big with God for God to do great things. He simply puts in you a mustard seed of faith. 
And God says, I'm going to cultivate that seed in you. The Spirit said, I'll cultivate that little seed in you. Somebody say amen. Look at your neighbor say, just, you don't need a lot to do a lot for God. Because I know there's a lot of people waiting around for some great increase of faith to do something great for God. And God sent me to tell you, he's already deposited in you everything you need to do to do exploits for God, for the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of God working in you by a small little mustard seed. It's already inside of you. Look at your neighbor right now and say, it's inside of you. The, the, the problem is we got other things growing with our faith. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, do, do, do you know, do, do, do you know, I, I want you to hear this. Uh, this is found in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. In fact, if you have your Bible, open there and just kind of just uh, uh, underline it, mark it, because I want you to think about what I'm about to tell you. Uh, some of you already know this verse. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Let me say that one more time for somebody. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Let me say it one more time for somebody because you missed it. If you, if you want to be somebody, an agent of faith, you've got to hear what I just said. So then faith comes by hearing. Hearing. And hearing by the Word of the Lord. What have you heard this last week? What conversations you got into, you know, that you guys have been a lot of places, you know. Y'all come to church and y'all smile and y'all look, y'all look like y'all got it together, but y'all been in some weird conversations this week. <laughs> you expect the preacher to cure all your ears in 45 minutes and you've had all sorts of weird conversations. Except the one conversation you needed most and that was with God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What has God said to you lately? If you're scratching your head, your mind is faith. What aptitude, what discipline, what devotion have you adopted in your life such that God could speak to you? And if you've been busy all week and about all your stuff, and you've been absent of the voice of the Lord, your faith has not had a chance to grow. Your faith needs cultivation. Just that mustard seed. It's not a whole lot, but if you let it grow, it's exponential in power. Ah, can I teach you, can I teach you something in St. Matthew 17? Uh, 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 flip your Bible. Since you're in your Bible, you got it open. Uh, just flip over to St. Matthew 17. I'm going to teach you something. This is, this is the story, St. Matthew 17. In fact, I, in fact, I'll give you a little prelude to it. St. Matthew 16 is when the disciples determined, got spiritual revelation that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. How many believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? Raise your hand if you believe that. So just the six of us. You, you, you realize that that revelation is spiritual. Uh, men and women do not intellectually assent to the idea that Jesus is Lord. That's a spiritual work. That meant that God has communicated with you something, something that the average person in the world cannot understand, cannot comprehend. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's King. He's the Messiah. He's the Anointed One. And we have that revelation. 
that was given supernaturally to the apostle Peter. St. Matthew 16, read it for yourself. St. Matthew 17, this is the only recorded instant in the Bible. This is the only example of Jesus ever displaying his majesty on this earth of his kingship. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. Some of y'all know that he took with them on the Mount of Transfiguration up to the mountain. The Bible says Peter, James, and John. And they saw Jesus transfigure right before him. The Bible says that his face shone like the sun and his raiment was white as the light. He was shining in his glory from heaven. And lo, behold, two came and communed with him. Both Moses and Elijah came and communed with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says that Peter, James, and John, seeing the manifested glory of Jesus, said to themselves, it's good that we were here. Jesus, let us build for you three temples, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Forget about ministry. Forget about the work that you have here on earth. Let's build temples. This is so majestic. And the Bible says, while they still yet spake, a cloud came over, and a voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Watch this. Hear ye him. Hear him. Why did the father say hear him? Because it is by hearing that faith is established. Friends, you're waiting from some natural revelation of God that you may walk in greater revelation. That's not how God works. He's going to work in that little mustard seed in you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And friends, we got to get back to the recipe for the kingdom of heaven. And that's that little mustard seed that we've been neglecting all of our Christian lives. It's that little seed that holds all the potential of the kingdom of heaven. Watch this. The Bible says that when they came down off that mountain, you'd think they'd be full of the illumination of God. You'd think they'd be on fire for Jesus. Somewhere in the backdrop, the Bible says that a man brought his son to the disciples because he was demonized. In fact, the man said, my son is a lunatic. He's crazy. He's out of his mind. He's so out of his mind that he will cast himself into the flames. He will go into a body of water. Something on the inside of him is trying to destroy him, and I can't control him. My son is vexed with the devil. You know what the Bible says? Jesus, Jesus. What marvelous revelation this is of the Lord. The Bible says, I brought them to your disciples, Jesus, but they couldn't do nothing with them. They just saw the Lord manifested in the fullness of his glory, and they're bringing somebody over demonized, and they could do nothing. I, I know what you're saying already. Well, preacher, you know, those disciples, they weren't full of the Holy Ghost. They, they weren't walking in the fullness of the manifested glory of God. Man, you need to read your Bible. 
The Bible says that Jesus invested in those disciples his authority and his power. We read about it in St. Matthew 10 where he commissioned them. You, 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 how many know that you're commissioned of the Lord? God said, you, Jesus said, you got my authority. So quit looking up in the heavens saying, what do you want me to do? You're the one with the authority. Wherever you are, exercise the power. How many, how many know that Jesus said, when you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. You've heard these stories before, right? Jesus commissioning the disciples to go out and do the work. Go out and demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. It's power. They could do nothing. These disciples were experts in deliverance. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10 that even when the 70 went out, the Bible says they returned back to Jesus. You know what they said? They came back rejoicing, saying, even the devils are subject unto us by your name. These guys knew what to do. Just so happened that on this particular occasion, they could do nothing. I don't know if maybe they saw something in that little boy. Maybe... You know, the Bible says when Jesus began to pray, he fell at the ground foaming. Maybe they saw something they hadn't never seen before. The Bible says, Jesus says, how long? You, 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 you want to hear the rebuke of Jesus? I'll quote it to you. This is what Jesus says. Oh, perverse. Oh, perverse. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring that child to me. The Bible says he cured him that very hour, that very instant. It wasn't until later that the disciples, when they got along with Jesus, they went to Jesus. And you know what they asked Jesus? Jesus, why, why couldn't we cast it out? You know, you know what, church? I, I love the disciples coming back to the Lord and saying, we want to know how come we can't do it. Have you ever asked yourself that? Uh, you, you realize, brothers and sisters, that if we keep meeting like this, and I think you'll see it, that, that in the generations to come, they're not going to want to go to church. You know why kids don't want to go to church? Because they don't see the manifested power of God. We're just in here yip-yapping about God. Paul said the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but of power. And man, if you don't get your hands and lay hold of that power through the authority of Jesus Christ, we do the kingdom a disservice. It's time to get over to the power. Come on, somebody. You see, the kingdom of heaven is like that. That's the way it is. We're in a generation now. Let me, let me, tell, you, let me tell you the anomaly of the generation that we live in now. You think it's more easier to be forgiven than to be healed. Do, do you know that in the days of Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was one day teaching, and, 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 and the house was so full of people uh, that, that a family, some siblings, four siblings, wanted to bring their, their brother who was paralyzed to the Lord. They couldn't find nowhere in. And so they decided to cut a little spot of the roof and lower their brother down before the Lord as he taught. Y'all know this story, this, this, this teaching? And the Bible says that when Jesus saw him, Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven you. Everybody was upset. What you, what, what you try? No man can forgive sins but God. And then Jesus, well, what is easier to say? Your sins be forgiven or rise up and take up your mat and go home? 
He says, so that you may know that the Son of Man hath the power to forgive sins. He pointed and said, son, get up your mat, rise up and go home. Ah. We live in a generation where we believe it's easier to be forgiven. Everybody in here thinks they're forgiven. I couldn't shake you from that. But when we pray of healing, there's doubt in your life. There's doubt in us. I'm convinced today that the reason why we don't see miracles as often as we should is because there is a mountain of unbelief in your life. Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. You're looking around like Ralphie from the Christmas story. Who, who's, who's he talking? I'm talking to you. I'll look you dead in your face and tell you there's a mountain of unbelief in your life. Let me teach it like this. You want me to go a little deeper? St. Matthew 13. I'm just going through my Bible. This is in my spirit. I don't, I don't, I don't need to study for this. This is, this is my life. Check this out. St. Matthew 13. This is the parable of the sower. Jesus said there was a, there was a sower. Uh, you know, a, this is the parable. This is how Jesus is teaching you kingdom. And the sower is going, sowing good seed. Somebody say the word of God. It's good seed. And he's sowing that seed. And the Bible says, and as he's scattering the seed, some of the seed falls into the wayside. And he says, as soon as it falls into the wayside, the birds, the fowls of the air come, and they pick up that seed. And then some, as the, the sower is scattering, it falls into stony places. Uh, this is places of the earth where there's stone, but there's enough earth that the seed can grow just for a moment. He says, and, it, and, it, and, and the seedling comes, and it gets a little bit of root, but as soon as the sun comes up, and the heat of that sun begins to hit that little tender plant, it dries up and it withers away. Then there's another type of soil that, that, that the seed goes out into the soil, but the problem with that soil is there's too many thorns and thistles in it. It's just overgrown with weeds. So that, that, that little seed, when it begins to sprout up, it get, just gets choked out. Just too much stuff around it. And then there's some seed that's sown on fertile ground, ready for the word of the Lord. He says, that's where it grows. You know, that's the seed that, when it gets planted there, it yields back a fruit 30, 60, 100 times that which is sown. And there goes everybody scratching. What's, what's Jesus talking about? He says, y'all got to explain this to you. He says, look, the seed that falls on the wayside is the word of God that goes forward and people don't understand it. And because they don't understand it, the enemy comes and he picks it right up. Then there's the other seed. that There's people that receive the word of God with joy. And it seems like they sprout up so quick, but they don't got no roots. As soon as persecution comes, a little heat from their faith, they draw back. No fruit produced. And then there's that other ground. The kind of ground that the Spirit of the Lord sent me to deal with in our house. It's just crowded with unbelief. Just, just, just unbelief. You, you know what? You've got so many questions about God. And, and brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of all your questions. And you know why I'm tired of it? Because you've been saying that for five years already. You have all these questions about God, and you have never got before the Lord and got an answer to the question you have with Him. And the enemy has caused you to blaspheme His name. 
And he's given you images of God that aren't true to him, aren't unique to God. Everybody, oh God, why did God do this? And how come this happened? And why did this happen? You got all these whys in your garden. You know what it's doing? It's choking the seed of faith in you. I've done my best in here to teach you that sickness doesn't come from God. God isn't up in heaven trying to mess up your life. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And brother and sister, I can prove all this through the word. And I'm here to tell you, I never give my God a black eye. If there's something going wrong, it's something in me. Address it in me, Holy Spirit. What's happening in my life? What do I need to do to fix it? It's never my God. My God is good. My God is gracious. My God is compassionate. My God is long-suffering. My God is awesome with a capital A. You got all these things. Well, what, what about this? And preach, you know, I have people come say, Preacher, t- tell me, if the Bible's true, then what are, what's the story about the dinosaurs? Really, brother? The dinosaurs are messing up your faith? The origin of the world, the species, the fossil record. Really, brother? You're stuck right there? Grandparent died two years ago. You blame it on God. Somebody got cancer. Look what God is doing. We got all of these things that we've put before God. The little seedling never gets a chance to grow. It just gets choked out. The issue is not faith. The issue has never been about faith. Jesus said to the disciples, when they said, Lord, increase our faith. You know what he told them? If you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you could tell that sycamore tree to uproot itself and plant itself into the seed, and it would obey you. The issue is not faith. Look at your name and say, the issue is not faith. Shut up about that. Stop talking about faith. The issue is your unbelief. That's hard to hear, isn't it? That's hard to hear for the preacher come tell you, your problem isn't faith, your problem is unbelief. You just don't believe that God can do it. You, you just don't believe that God can do it, nor do you even give God a chance to do it. You know there's been a lot of opportunities in your life for a little space for you to put faith in a little area of your life, and you refuse to do it. You say, what you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the headache you had yesterday. You went first to Anison before you went to the answer. Brother and sister, hear what I'm telling you. There are opportunities in your life to see God move miraculously on your behalf. You need that victory in your life. You need it because faith produces victories. Victories do not produce faith. Faith produces the victory. You need to see that in your life. You need to see that God cares about even the minuscule things in your life. That God is concerned about the little things that are going on in your world that if he says, if you apply my word to your issue, you will see the evidence of my love and my purpose towards you. You see, I believe God loves me enough to help me. Isn't this the premise of our salvation? That he'll never leave us nor forsake us so that we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. How many believe God's your helper? Listen, get up right now and go, go hug somebody and say, God's your helper. Go find somebody right now and say, God wants to help you if you let God help you. But the only way he's going to help you if you operate in faith. 
He wants to help you. 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 He wants to help you and help you and help you. You got a God who wants to help you. Jimmy, God loves you enough to help you, man. David, God loves you enough. He wants to help you, man. Derek, God loves you. He wants to help you. You've heard me say this many, many times in this house. God appears through the promise of faith. God will appear through the promise by faith. God's a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. Look at all the opportunities you had to devote yourself into some measure of faith, to get rid of all the unbelief. Brother and sister, can I encourage you to go back this next week and you need, to, you need to tend to your garden. There's just too much stuff growing there. You're being choked out. Listen, can I get a little more specific? Can I get a little deeper? You don't mind if I go a little deeper? Anybody want to go a little deeper? If you don't want to go, I'll just stay on the surface. Brother and sister, watch this. So the disciples, when Jesus said, it's because you're unbelief, said, because if you had faith, as a grain of a mustard, you can tell that mountain to move and it'll be moved for you. Then Jesus, how be it? Well, he says, Jesus, how be it? This kind cometh forth but by prayer and fasting. But what's prayer? What's prayer? Prayer isn't you talking. Prayer is God talking. You know, that's the problem in the modern church. We talk too much. Let me be my next series. You talk too much. And you never shut up. You, you, you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're just talking? You just uh, uh, uh. But you ever meet somebody that talk to you and after they get finished talking, they just turn around and walk off? They don't even let you answer. They just walk, walk off. You know, that's how we pray. We, we, we like to tell God what to do. And God, you got to do it, and you got to do it by Friday, because I want to enjoy my weekend. Amen. We just walk off on God. Like if we balling like that with God. Anybody that has a true, sincere prayer life knows that when they come before God, they know what it is to be silent before God. These are the people that practice moanings and groanings that can't even be uttered. Because what are you trying to do? You are trying to hear what God is saying to you. When I go into my prayer closet, what I tell God, what do you want me to do today? Tell me what you want to tell me, and tell me what you want me to do. And I just lay there before God. You speak it. I'm at your command. What is fasting? See, a lot of you treat fasting with God like a hunger strike. you don't answer me, I'm not eating anymore. Good. Good. You need to lose a few pounds. That don't mean God's going to answer you. God, you're not going to move God because you don't go to McDonald's. Come on, somebody. God, God's not up in heaven saying, oh, you're not going to have a snack tonight. I better rush down and help you. God said, what is a fast? That, that you refrain from some food? That's nothing to me. What is a true fast? A true fast is what? Causing your flesh to be subdued. For what reason? To hear from God. 
So then faith cometh by hearing. And you see, disciples, you're not hearing enough. You see a lot, you talk a lot, you just don't hear a lot. That's a real good word. And anybody that wants to represent this kingdom understands how good a word that is. Brothers and sisters, do you know that there's a calamity coming your way? Do you know that there's coming in your life, in your family, with your children, with your spouse, there is coming a time of testing because God tests everybody. He doesn't test you with evil, but he's going to test your faith. God is always testing faith. Some of you can't be tested too much because you cry too much. And thank God that our God's compassion, that he always leaves the back door open so that you can escape. But you know what he does? He takes you right back where you were. He's just going to cultivate that faith in you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. He's ta- this message for you, Doc. Anybody want to go a little deeper with me? Because I want to prep you for what's coming. Anybody want to be prepped? Isn't it nice that somebody tells you, hey, a, a storm is coming? Listen, if the storm comes and you're not ready, you're going to be fearful. So before the storm comes, why don't you get your faith grounded? So that when it comes, you can say, I'm not going to be moved. My God is faithful. My God is going to help me. You can already be in a disposition of faith. Don't wait for the storm to come because when it's night, no man can work. Let me help. I've always been amazed. There was a boy... Theologians say probably between 9 and 12 years old, who had a job of tending sheep, a menial task. In fact, if you ask a, a modern rabbi today, they'll say that's menial, that's nothingness. But he had the task nonetheless. Uh, we don't know this right away. It's revealed later in the story of his life. But we're told that while this preteen was tending sheep, it just so happened that a bear came. Somebody say a bear. A B-E-A-R, bear. You know, a bear. <laughs> see, man, I don't mess with animals, man, you know. If, if, if I see, like, stuff, like if somebody said, hey, would you like to pet my cheetah? No. <laughs> don't want to pet your cheetah. Because that may be the one time he looks up and I look like a Tootsie Roll or something. He just come bite my leg or something. I don't mess with wild things, right? There's a boy, a preteen, who just has a simple thought that God cares for him. He believes in deliverance. He, he believes that God's his helper. That's, that's all the faith that he has. And he sees a bear come to take what belongs to him. The Bible says that that little boy, a preteen, went out, and you know what he did? He snatched that sheep out of that bear's mouth. And you know what the bear did? I don't like that either. The bear came and tried to attack him. You know what he did? He took it by its mouth and his beard, and he busted his jaw, and he slew him with his bare hands. Y'all hear what I'm saying? A little kid took a bear with his own hands and slew a bear, barehanded. 
He didn't have a bayonet, didn't have a rifle, didn't have a gun, didn't have anything other than his hands. Some time passed. A line shows up. Nobody knows this is going on. He's just out there doing it. And I would suppose that if he would have went back and told his daddy, Dad, listen, I was out tending sheep, doing the best I could. A bear came. Daddy came and grabbed one of the lambs. It's hard to tell you. His dad would say, well, okay, no worries. You know, it's a cost of doing business. <laughs> you know, it's a bear. I wouldn't expect you to mess with a bear. A bear could have killed you. I'm glad you're safe. Lion comes, grabs up one of the sheep, walks off with it, wins over. They gave him away. David comes and snatches that sheep out of its mouth. The lion gets mad and tries to attack him. He grabs the, the lion with his hands and busts open his jaw and slews him there. Nobody knew about it. No record of it. One day, David's mother said, David, come. I want you to take some food to your brother, your brothers, Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah. You know, they, they was brothers. I want you to take these little cheeses over there. I said he made them like a, what do you call that, a little charcuterie board, you know. <laughs> he's a little kid. He's, he's a little kid. They say David is no more than 13 years old at this time. Just, just take your brother something to snack on. The Bible says he's going there with his little basket. David, a little, little teenager, going over to, to the battlefield. And as he's going, he sees a man by the name of Goliath. Come down and taunt the armies of God. David hears it. He walks up to some of his brothers and says, Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Yip yapping about my God. They said, we know the naughtiness of your heart. You just come down here to see the battle. The Bible says that David began to tell others, I can take Goliath. I can take him. What do I get if I take him? He says, well, if you, if you take Goliath, you get Saul's daughter. And your house is free in all of Jerusalem. You won't pay taxes no more. And so word got back to Saul that there's a kid in camp that says he could take Goliath. He says, bring him to me. And you know what David told King Saul? He says, Saul, check it out. The God that delivered me out of the paw of the bear and the same God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion is the exact same God that will deliver me out of the hand of that uncircumcised Philistine. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. The same God that was yesterday is the same God that's right now. He will deliver me. Same God. Same God that delivered him out of the paw of the lion. Same God that delivered him out of the paw of the bear. Listen. The same God that works in the lesser thing is the same God that works in a greater thing. Here's a principle of the kingdom of heaven. If you can't manage the little, if you can't manage the little thing, whom will God entrust to you the bigger thing? The kingdom works in principle. 
You see, if you can manage the little thing, you can manage the greater thing. There have been opportunities in your life just yesterday where that seed of faith wanted to develop in you to the glory of the kingdom of heaven, but you suppressed it with your unbelief. You acted in a natural way when you should have acted in a spiritual way. Thus, you made the faith in your life of none effect. And God has sent me to tell you, he's about to test some little things in your life. Uh, he's not going to start with the big thing right away because he wants to help you understand that the same God that delivered you out of the paw of the lion uh, and the same God that delivered you out of the paw of the bear will be the same God when you face your Goliath. We're going to stand up right next to you and cause you to be victorious in his mighty name. Do I got a witness out there? Okay, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I've, we've got but five minutes to get rid of the mountain of unbelief. There is a mountain of unbelief in your life. Questions and thoughts and accusations of God. Places where you, you've discounted God and his ability. He sent me here to tell you that he is more than able. He is exceedingly abundantly able to do more than what you ask, more than what you can even imagine he's able. And it's time to tend our garden. Listen. You might need to read Psalms 103 again afresh today. When David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he said, and forget not his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Listen, we've got to get back to a pure and perfect biblical perspective of God. This is the seed of the word of the Lord that's planted in us. I believe my God can help you. It's not will he help you. He will help you. If we act in faith. If we act in faith to God. Listen, right where you are. Can you make a confession to the Lord today and say, Father, I have unbelief, but I've come to tend my garden. It's one thing to say you have unbelief, but it's another to say, I have it, but I want to fix it. Some of you, your issue of the why is you need to get along with God. Uh, you, you, you might need to go back into the word of the Lord to investigate it. You, you might need some godly counsel. You, you, you might need some prayer time. There are doubts in your mind about God, His abilities, His strengths. See, the issue isn't faith. All you need is a grain of mustard seed. The issue is not faith. Trust me, brothers and sisters. The issue is the unbelief growing up right next to it. You just have too many choices. You see, you got insurance. You got a PCP. You got a primary care physician. When you get sick, you're thinking of a deductible, not a scripture reference. I'm not saying to cancel your insurance. What I'm telling you is put God first. 